0: I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the false and the Last. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen from God TV Radio. I hope you're all having a blessed day out there. On the 1st at 7 p.m. Central, St. Louis, Missouri, we're going to be doing a live show. And everyone, no matter what your faith is or non-belief, you are welcome to come into the show. All you have to do is email me at BrettKeenPhone at gmail.com. All that information can be found in the description along with all my other information and links. There's several different ways to contact me immediately or, um, well, let's just say there's tons of ways to get a hold of me and all the information is in the description. I'd love for some Muslims to come in as well as atheists. I also have some interviews planned with some very popular atheists as well as religious folks out there. So make sure you subscribe, subscribe, comment and rate and uh, connect with me. And also I've got some exclusive content that you can listen to on the radio right now. Either Spotify, Amazon or a hundred different um, sources all over the internet. My radio station is very popular, as many of you know. Well, today we're going to talk about a challenge I have for Muslims. I have been going into a YouTube user's room by the name of E.A. Dawah. I was introduced to him by watching an atheist a while back who had gotten absolutely totaled and destroyed by a user called Matt Pell. Matt Powell debated Raging Atheist, and Raging Atheist ended up crying at the end of the show. And then Matt Powell dealt with him again in real life and just repeated destruction to the atheist movement. Um, atheists don't even take Raging atheist seriously anymore. And what's sad about it is Matt Powell wasn't attempting to do that, didn't try to make him look sad. He just ended up looking sad. The point is, ladies and gentlemen, is that uh, Raging Atheist started some drama with E.A. Dawah a while back. And that's how I found out about him. And then I discovered that Mr. Dawah, the Muslim, um, was making his own live shows. And I ended up going over and visiting. Now, E.A. Dawah's live shows are not like Brett Keane's shows. There's usually about five or six Muslims in the room, and most of them, except for E.A. Dawa, are extremely long-winded and like to talk forever and ever and ever. It's more like a preaching sermon than it is an actual discussion. And they all seem to be overly consumed and obsessed with the concept of, is Jesus God? It's the it's like a repeat every single time you go to the show it's about the trinity and about this and about that and every once in a while a christian will come in and try talking to him but the muslims unfortunately end up putting people to sleep with these long drivel's, and of course they're encouraged by their muslim audience because the muslims want to make an effort to try to make Christians as if they don't know what they're talking about, that the Bible's wrong, the Quran is correct, that kind of childish nonsense. So I'm going to talk about a few of the points that they have put forth. And I've heard the same repeated responses and answers from Muslims uh, on the various topics. And i got to be honest with you. I have to admit that it's kind of weak and infantile um, some of the responses that they have given. Uh, It doesn't seem like they're trying to be rude but I can hear the snickering and the laughter and their mockery of the Bible even though they realize just as well as I do that most of the stories that are in the Quran were written 700 years after the Bible and most of the information in it is copied. They claim that Prophet Muhammad went into a cave and uh, came out and started writing the book and didn't know all the information that God spoke directly to him, which is kind of weird because all the information (laughs) that is in the Quran, 90% of it, is directly from the Bible, so try to convince the Muslims that some... A uh, guy in the Middle East uh, who happened to live in the same area as the writers of the Bible uh, just so happily, um, conveniently, got the information from what the churches were already teaching for the last 700 years and then ended up writing their own book about it, changing up a few things here and there in order to make it to where the Muslims, of course, have their, um, their deal. I guess they wanted to be considered relevant and significant back then as well as now. They're very proud people. But let's go ahead and talk a little bit about this Trinity thing. I was talking to some Muslims and they, they said, uh, it's stupid the idea that God would come down as a man and walk the earth. They don't realize that by saying that The idea of God coming down, manifesting himself as a physical man, or anything for that matter, is actually mocking their own Quran. They're insulting themselves when they say this. And I've always been told that Muslims, uh, especially in the Middle East, are taught to remember their book all the way through. Like, their children are taught that they need to memorize all the passages in the Quran and the Hadith, but they don't, apparently. And uh, I'll give you an example. If it is stupid for God to come down as a man, and that's just not logical to them for God to be able to do that, then we have to ask ourselves why would God require prophets, for instance? Um, To do any kind of talking for him. Why does the Quran teach that angels were required in order to go down and speak uh, to humanity or even Prophet Muhammad himself? I mean if it's not logical and that it's not necessary, it surely isn't necessary for an all-powerful omnipresent omniscient deity to call upon anybody to do anything for him. God demonstrates throughout the Bible, as well as the Quran and many other holy books out there that mention him, that God is perfectly capable of speaking directly into our minds, and to our ear, and he can even speak during a storm and get our attention and make us focus on what he is that he's saying, whatever message that might be. So... A perfect example in the Quran that is also taught in the Bible ladies and gentlemen is the burning bush yeah the Quran actually has a story of the burning bush with Moses Moses walks upon the physical manifestation God comes as a uh, burning bush now they'll claim well God wasn't actually the burning bush he was just talking through the burning bush but I mean who really cares when you think about it Um, a Muslim got triggered whenever I said this to him in the live show whether it's nothing more than a, a fancy light show or God's microphone on his way of speaking to Moses the point is, is that God created this physical manifestation that wasn't even necessary. He could have spoken directly to Moses, just as he had done Abraham and many of the men before. So why would God do this? I mean, according to them, anytime God creates a physical manifestation of himself or a representation or an image of himself, um, this is illogical. This is the argument they make for why Jesus Christ can't be God, and God would never send some kind of divine figures to the earth to do anything like this. Now keep in mind, they believe that Prophet Muhammad is also the most significant and relevant figure in their book. However, even their own Quran teaches that um, Jesus Christ was the only The only person ever born of a virgin a divine conception conception immaculate conception as you might put it just as in the Bible the Quran teaches that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin this is extremely significant and relevant it also teaches in the Quran that when the end of the world comes guess who's going to return Jesus Christ During the apocalypse and the doom of the earth and destruction, Jesus is supposed to return. And according to the Muslims, he's going to walk the earth. Isn't that strange? They tell you that it's stupid for Jesus to walk the earth back then, having any divinity or power of God in him. Yet in their own book, it teaches that he's going to die and rise again. Doesn't give you a time, doesn't give you a date. But it says that Jesus will die in their Quran and rise. And they believe that is an event that is yet to come, that will sooner or later come to be, as where Christians believe that happened 2,000 years ago. And the next time Jesus comes, he's going to rock and roll. There's some problems with the Quran, and Muslims will hate to admit this, but according to their own book, The end of the world is supposed to happen when Jesus Christ returns and judges the world. Now here's a problem here. How can Muslims also then say that Jesus is going to walk the earth, die a natural death, and rise again? How can they say that? It doesn't make any kind of sense, does it? Why would Jesus walk on a world, a planet, that is going to end up being destroyed according to the Bible there's going to be a new world and a new earth and a new heaven that is going to come into existence and the Quran follows along with that so if there is no earth whenever the apocalypse happens and everyone dies and is destroyed then what is Jesus Christ supposed to be walking on if there is no earth to be walked on there is many, many contradictions throughout the Quran, but I can already tell that the Muslims already have their hands full with the Trinity arguments. That's all they ever want to talk about. And they think that this somehow makes their religion look right, is where Christianity is somehow incorrect. It doesn't. It doesn't at all for me. And they also think because they had one single writer that wrote a book about God that this somehow makes them seem more perfect and correct than the Bible. As where the Bible actually has almost 80 interactions with generation after generation of human beings who actually state that they had a relationship with God and interacted and engaged him. I would think that a collection of books and an archive and engagement interactions and miracles with God would be much more significant than one guy who hung out in a cave, got spoken to by either angels or jinn, and then decided to write a book. That, by the way, doesn't have any new information that the Bible doesn't already cover. In fact, After waiting 700 years to write that book, they missed the whole story about the disciples. They don't have anything on the disciples. They don't have anything on. Judas betraying Jesus Christ. They don't have anything about Peter and why Jesus even walked with the disciples in the first place. Seems like they missed a lot or maybe the Prophet Muhammad just got lazy and decided not to follow through with the entire story and engagement in life of Jesus Christ. Well, luckily for us, the Quran does mention that Jesus Christ, unlike Prophet Muhammad, was the Messiah. That's right, and that means that Jesus Christ, according to their book, is the anointed one. That makes him damn special and relevant over all prophets that ever existed, Bible and Quran together. The other thing that they have is, and I want to make it clear, I'm not some kind of apologist for the Trinity. As far as I'm concerned, it's a work in progress, and I think that a lot of Christians, as well as people of all different faiths, have been arguing over the Trinity for over 2,000 years and have a hard time being able to explain it and make it coherent and logical. That's not my problem. That's not my issue. At the end of the day, if Jesus is God, I'm fine with that. If Jesus is an extension of God and simply the Son of God, I'm fine with that. I don't have an issue with that. Either way, as long as I believe in God... Whether he's Jesus or whether he's some enormous entity that is floating around in the externity of space, I got no issues with that because I know that my God is intelligent enough to understand and know my heart and that I have a lot of questions and God will most likely spend a little bit of time with me and give me some of my answers. But as far as the Trinity goes, I can see it both different ways. Why can't God be several or many consciousnesses? In the Bible, we see a story about a figure called Legion. It's where a man is possessed by several consciousnesses at the same time. He has like 2,000 demons inside of him. Now, if demons can actually exist within the body of a physical man, and they can actually think and behave and act and actually control what the body does, then why would it be difficult to believe that God can't do the same thing? Why can't God actually be able to go into a man with a spirit and a consciousness, or several consciousnesses, and do things? How is that illogical? How is that unnecessary? To say something like that, to say that this could not have happened because it's not logical or necessary is stupid. There's a lot of things in the Bible as well as the Quran that did not need to happen. It did not need to happen. Did you know this ladies and gentlemen, let me let you all in on something else too. The Muslims claim that Jesus Christ didn't die on the cross. Their book says that God deceptively made it to where it appeared as though a man died on the cross. But it wasn't Jesus, that God actually took Jesus off the earth and allowed another man to die in his place. And it's claiming that their God did that, that their God deceived the entire human race and made it appear as though something happened that was simply not true. And for thousands of years, there have been Jews, countless Jews, as well as Christians who've been worshiping this view that Jesus is God and that he was sacrificed for the sins of the world. What does that say about their religion then? That their God deliberately caused Christianity to come into existence, caused Islam to be one of the less popular religions on the planet. That their God just sat back and allowed bad PR to happen to them for the last 50 years On our television sets and screen, where people are literally terrified of Muslims and scared that something dangerous or bad is going to happen. It's bad PR. Now don't get me wrong, there's some Christians out there, priests have been given some bad PR as well. But that's the point. How would they defend that or justify that in any way? I already have an answer for everything that I've asked whenever it comes to the Bible, but how would they deal with the challenge of this nature? To say that God wouldn't do something because it's not logical or even necessary, God doesn't need to do that, is not a response, dear Muslims. I can easily make the argument of why would an all-powerful, all-knowing God who has everything, why would it even be necessary for it to create to begin with? Why even start the universe? Why create entropy for and the second law of thermodynamics? Why create the earth? Why create people? Why is there life? Why is there death? I could go on all day about that if you want to go that direction, if you really want to take that path filled to the brim with potholes. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this will be part one. I think that I've given the Muslims a great deal to think about. And I would love to be able to have some discussions with Muslims. But if I'm going to do it, it's going to be on my live show and on my radio. I am not going to go into their rooms to where I can just sit there for hours and hours listening to them sermonize to me and never give me the ability to be able to talk or respond or have a thought in the conversation. I don't think that they're deliberately trying to be rude when they do that, but it is not necessary, dear Muslims, for you to give 20 different analogies to something that I didn't even ask in the first place. I want us to focus. I want us to have a conversation. And my ambition and desire, what I'd like to see, if you don't mind me going a little bit outside the box here, I'd like to see Muslims and Christians find common ground. I'd like Muslims and Christians to work with each other and actually help the human race understand why there is a God and why he's worthy to be praised. We got a rise of atheism happening in society ladies and gentlemen and i think that those who believe there's a higher power and those who have good reason to believe it and trust in god we should work together not against each other we already have a group out there that would love to see all the mosque and all the churches tore down there's a lot of atheists out there who have the same attitude as adolf hitler and stalin who would like to see the absolute destruction of our faith. I think we need to stand together. We need to work with each other as opposed to try to point the finger at all these different things. This is part one. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Brett Keene from God TV Radio.